This is the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sleeper Hole Podcast, where there is no disqualification on the topics and falls count anywhere. I am your host, Priest, and today we continue our series about the different matches. But first, I have some things I want to share that I'm really excited to tell you about. First of all, yours truly got to go to his first televised Raw show in St. Louis the Monday night immediately following payback. And it was, St. Louis was electric, and it was such a great experience. We not only had good seats, but it was a very interesting show to see many of the talents I enjoy watching, as well as Shane and Stephanie McMahon. And on that note, am I the only one who feels that Steph is going back to her old ways? You know, the early years when Stephanie was somebody that we all knew and loved? I'm liking this type of Stephanie. She's still got a little bit of her evil, queeny ways, but she's very likable, just like back in the old Attitude Era. The only people I didn't see that would have made it even better would have been Enzo Amore, which unfortunately he had a concussion, so there's a good reason why he's not there. And, of course, The Big Show, which I do remember my first actual live event going to was here in Springfield, Illinois, back when WCW was around. And I got to see Big Show inside the ring. And yeah, he, he fits the name. He's a giant. He's Big Show. But it would be kind of cool to see him again because I've always been a fan of him no matter what. I've always appreciated the guy and thought he was awesome. But, you know, on the plus side, I got to see my girl Natty. I had an amazing time. also got to see one of my other favorite girls, Becky Lynch. So it was really cool. The next step will be to go to a live pay-per-view show. That will be awesome. Which, you know, on that note, who else here feels that we will soon hear the phrase pay-per-view dissolve away from the WWE soon? Eh? I mean, after all, it's on the WWE Network now, which is better than paying over $50 a month to watch the shows. But that's not all I wanted to talk about. A little while ago, I got to witness the third annual Toga Steve Memorial Tournament hosted by Central Illinois' own Pinfall Wrestling Association. PWA put on an incredible show. First of all, Toga Steve was inducted by the Hot Boys into the PWA Hall of Fame. This tournament was unique to the previous ones as it was a tag team tournament instead of being singles matches. The first match had the Carnivals, Hatta and Cardini, Go up against the new crop, my boys, Roscoe and Jake Lander. As much as I like the carnival as well, I already said early on that my pick for the tournament was going to be the new crop as long as they were in there, and they did not disappoint as they won the first round. The second match was the team of Michael Pope and Nelson Six, otherwise known as All Eyes on Us or AEOU, 
and they took on Brian Ely and Britt Dunn. I didn't expect it to happen, but all eyes on us took down the powerful team of Ely and Dunn. I did get a hold of Brian Ely afterwards and did get a few comments from him on this, as well as some stuff about you know the upcoming show and how he feels about everything after being gone for so long and having to recover from his surgery. So check this out and what he has to say. I feel 20 years younger. Uh, I probably don't look 20 years younger, but I feel 20 years younger. Um, the tournament tonight, you know, I missed the first two togas. Um, first one, I came right out of the hospital after open heart surgery and had to sit and watch it. Second one, I was supposed to be cleared. We all know how doctors are. That didn't happen. Got stuck watching that one. So making toga tonight was just a plus for me. Um, we'll work on winning it next year. Let's, let's grand wrestling spectacle. I mean, it's, it's up. You know, I'm, What's your goals for it? Yeah, just to be there, man. I mean, I was, you know, the headline, the very first one with Rip Mystic, and uh, you know, it's always a special time, a special place, and I'm the only guy that's I think wrestled, you know, all of them. But you know, I, of course, I missed last year's, but I've been at every Grand Wrestling Spectacle, and the only guy to do so. Uh, so excited! I mean, it's that time, and you know, gonna steal the show, of course. The third match of the show was Jonathan Magnus and Michael Sharp. The Alliance, and they went up against Derek Moss and Zero Hype Guy Smith, respectively the two singles champions of PWA. Before the match could even pick up, Guy Smith turned, attacked, and laid out Derek Moss, leaving him to the mercy of the Alliance, pretty much giving them a free pass to advance in the tournament. All we could do is wonder why, but soon, you know, Guy Smith told us that he didn't want Moss to be a two time winner in the tournament and that Moss wasn't a true champion like Guy Smith. With that, Guy Smith laid out a challenge to Derek Moss for the Grand Wrestling Spectacle to see who the real champion is. The match is set to be title for title. The PWA heavyweight champion versus the regional champion. I first got a hold of Guy Smith and simply asked him one thing. Was it worth it? This is what Guy Smith had to say. Was it worth it? The, you know, I can't really explain whether or not it was worth it. I mean, I'm not a tag team wrestler. You know, the, the tournament tonight was not set up for me. It was not set up for Derek. And when I turned on him, as you like to say, I, I don't consider it turning on him. You see, I don't know if you realize this or not, but I trained Derek Moss. And when I trained Derek Moss, I... I thought I instilled a certain amount of respect, respect for this business, respect for the, the men who have come before him and built this business. And Derek has spent the last almost a year. How long has he had, how long has he had that little secondary championship he likes to carry around? He's spent the, all that time disrespecting me and this business. And so tonight it was maybe, maybe a final lesson Maybe a, a next to final lesson because next month when we unify these titles, I'm going to teach him his final lesson, a lesson in respect, a lesson in humility, and a lesson in what it means to be a champion. After that, I heard from Derek Moss on his response to the challenge. Check it out. Well, you see, Priest, May 21st, all things come to a head. And trust me, he may have got the better of me tonight, May 21st. Uh-uh. I'm walking out with this, my baby, and add some new hardware, the PWA Heavyweight Championship. 
Scotty Cash and Benz, otherwise known as the Hot Boys, took on the Money Bacon Jam Boys, Mississippi Madman, and Casey Jackson. This match was full of good humor, laughs, fun. The two teams pretty much greatly respect each other, and they made sure to have a good time with it. Between little dance-offs and daps, as well as just other silly motions, they even went and tagged opposing teammates and did just this whole little goofy thing just to have a good fun time with the fans. The Hot Boys advanced after Cardini arrived and attacked Benz, disqualifying the money-making jam boys. I later on got a chance to ask the Mississippi Madman what they had planned for the carnival, and this is how he addressed the situation. Well, me and KC, this ain't our first rodeo with someone trying to take me and KC out. But what the carnival has done, they done what nobody has done. They took food out of our mouth. They cost me, not once, but not twice, but now three times. So I'm not asking. I'm demanding. I don't give a care who, if we got to take on two against five, we want those guys, and we want them in the worst way. So after the intermission, Stephen Bishop arrived to announce his new bodyguard, Ramsey. You know, the guy I had here on the prediction panel that was making me laugh and everything else. Well, Harley came out, who has had a feud with Bishop, and she decided to give her two cents, but it was quickly laid out by the new bodyguard, Ramsey. Brent Dunn rushed in and came to Harley's aid. He then laid out a challenge to face Ramsey at Spectacle with a stipulation that if Brent Dunn wins, Harley gets to have her hands on Stephen Bishop during the biggest PWA show as well. I got a chance to hear from both Harley and Brent Dunn on this. Here's what Harley had to say about the whole situation. Harley, the first thing I want to know is... For next month, are you going to be in Brent's corner to make sure Bishop doesn't do any sneaky tricks? Um, of course I am. You know, but, uh, Brent had my back for Bishop, and, you know, we didn't really kind of agree at first, but now I feel like we're finally on the same page. And, of course, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to support him because, you know, if he wins, I finally get my rematch against Bishop, and that's, that's all good for me. Say, so how much are you eager to get your hands back on Bishop? It's been months, months and months and months since I had my first match back in November. And, dude, I'm ready. I'm more than ready. I've been born ready for this. Now, when I asked Brent Dunn how did he plan to prepare for this match, this is what he had to say about all of it. I don't know. Everybody's talking about Ramsey. I guess I'm supposed to be impressed. Um, I guess he's been around a while. I don't know. He's apparently the newly hired muscle for Bishop, who uh, needs some muscle because every time he steps in the ring with me, he ends up a grease spot. So um, I'm going to prepare for Ramsey the same way I prepare for everybody else uh, by hopping in the ring and kicking their tail. Um, I don't know. I don't know who Ramsey is. Uh, he's going to be just another victim to the All-American. Um, he's just going to be another uh, road bump, speed bump in my path back to main event matches. Um, and... Uh, I can't wait to be back there doing that. You know, tonight I got to tag with, with Brian Ely, which was which was a lot of fun. It uh, didn't come out the way we wanted. Um, but, uh, you know, it's a great experience, and I'm looking forward to the spectacle. I issued that challenge 
because I know what I'm capable of in this ring, and that's being back in the main event. The second round of the tournament started with the new crop going up against the Alliance. This match was great, and I seriously thought the new crop had it locked in for a win. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, as the Alliance took the advantage and won the match. All eyes on us went up against the Hot Boys, or rather, Scotty Cash, as Benz was in the back being treated for his leg injury due to Cardini. Pope and Six tried to offer Cash to just lay down on the mat and give them the pinfall instead of having a beat down. Well, Cash soon told them that he would consider it, but they had to give him some time to think it over, so they needed to turn around and not face him, and if I recall right, it was about a 10 count that they had to do along with the fans. While having their backs turned to Cash, Six and Pope didn't see Benz rush in to synchronize with Cash and give both men a spinebuster. The Hot Boys then advanced and would be facing the men they took the tag titles from last month, the Alliance. Bradley Stevens III came out to annoy the heck out of us and Spencer Powers once more. Finally, Spencer Powers had enough and just snapped. He was warned, though, that if he would attack, he would lose his commissioner position. But before that would happen, Spencer Powers laid his final act as commissioner by issuing that at spectacle he would have his match against Bradley Stevens III. Here's what Spencer Powers had to say when I asked him if he thinks that it was a good idea in retrospect or if it was a bit too hasty of a move. No, I don't think it was even the slightest bit of a hasty decision. At this point, I am sick and tired of listening to Bradley Stevens III just like everybody else in here. And like I said when I was out there tonight, that commissioner thing, just a mask that I was wearing. My true colors, my true self is the spotlight Spencer Powers. In those ropes, wrestling matches is where I belong, and that's where I will be from now on. The final match was the Hot Boys against the Alliance, and it was an incredible match. As much as everyone was behind the Hot Boys, it wasn't enough as the Alliance took on the win. At the end, the Hot Boys issued to end this feud once and for all, with the match at Spectacle being between both teams in a TLC tag team match. The Alliance accepted, and here is what they had to say about the entire night as well. Sharda Magnus, Toga winners for this year. First of all, how are you guys feeling about all this? Dominant. For sure, dominant. In pain, excuse me, but dominant. Seriously, we set a goal, and last month, that goal got broken, got staggered, but... But through every dark cloud, there's a silver lining. You know how they say that? How much more of a silver lining can you get than they give you the opportunity to win one of the biggest honors in the Midwest, and you get to beat every team in one night? What's more vindication if you lose your titles one time if you can beat everybody in one night? Absolutely. It's that ability to go out there and prove that we are the cream of the crop in central Illinois. The fact that we went out there, and you know what we did? We looked around tonight, and we went... This is for a fallen brother, but this is also to prove a point. How many things have we not accomplished in central Illinois? Very few, very few. In fact, there was none until this came along. Now they make this tournament a tag champion or a tag tournament. 
it's the one thing we haven't done yet, so we set our minds and we went out and did it. And that's proof positive. When the Alliance has a goal in mind, there is nothing that will stop us from getting there. And now that goal is regaining that goal. We have said this quote from the get-go since we started. And I want you to know, it was a year ago this month when I left the Hot Boys lying. And it's, it's, it's funny on how that comes back around when we leave them lying one more time. The only word I could tell any of your viewership, any people who don't necessarily, there are winners. We are those winners. And when we say this, we mean it every single time. Alliance above all. Now, when it was all said and done, there was only one man left to see how he thought with everything that went down. And that was my buddy, Billy Alexander. We just gave one of the best times here in Lanfear, and it was for the Toga Steve Memorial Tournament. This year was a tag team tournament. We showcased all the great tag teams here in PWA. But that's not the only thing that happened here tonight, Priest. We saw a few things. We saw the unfolding of a tag team. We saw the PWA heavyweight champion Guy Smith turn his back on the regional champion Derek Moss. The bell didn't even ring all the way, and he's already got Moss laid out on the ground. And then he laid a challenge. He told Moss, he says, I beat you once, I beat you then, I can beat you again. So I'm going to give you one even better. He's like, I'm going to give you my match. i give you a match, a spectacle. And this time, I'm going to put my title on the line if you put your title on the line. We're going to have the very first title for title here in PWA history. And it's between Zero Hype Guy Smith, the young thriller Derek Moss, and that is going to be one heck of a match. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I don't know a winner on that one. I don't even know if I can pick a winner just yet. Then we also seen, speaking of the champ, we also saw that the Hot Boys laid their challenge. They laid their challenge to the Alliance for a TLC match at Spectacle. In other news besides that, the commissioner, Spotlight Spencer Powers, has resigned. He's been thrown out of power. And he is standing toe-to-toe with Bradley Stevens III at Spectacle. Bradley Stevens has been here for months asking for him and asking for him. He finally got what he deserved tonight. And I have a feeling Bradley Stevens is going to get exactly what he deserves come Spectacle in May. All right. Now that we've got the big stuff that I wanted to mention out of the way, it's time to step into part two of our series about matches. And to steal a song lyric from Smashing Pumpkins... These matches will make you feel like a rat in a cage. So as the referee would say, ring the bell. Enclosure matches have been going on for quite a long time. They're not usually referred to as enclosure matches. They're more given their specific names. So that way we all recognize them. And the first one that everyone will ever think of when it comes to an enclosure-based match is going to be the steel cage match. Now, according to some people, the first cage match was actually back in 1937, and it basically was with the ring being surrounded by chicken wire in order to keep the athletes in and any interference out. It's evolved from there over time to what we have known, which was the steel bars, big old blue bars like the WWE or back then WWF used to have, to then what we have now, which is the chain link fencing, which is pretty much now the standard and it's due to being cheaper to make lighter and easier to transport more flexible and it's definitely a lot safer for the rest of us to deal with than the heavy duty steel and everything else that really could do a lot of damage now the base concept of a cage match is that the cage is either 
around the apron, along the edge of the ring, or something like that to keep the people enclosed in. The main standard rule is, in order to win, you have to escape the cage. And that's usually either by climbing over the top, or sometimes they have it where the door opens and you can just walk out. The main thing is, you don't consider being a winner until both feet touch the floor. Now, a lot of matches have evolved to where they also include pinfall and submissions as a way to win in a cage match. But I like the traditional way, where the only way to win is truly the GTFO. Because that really is what the cage match was all about. There was supposed to be no mercy, no disqualification, no nothing. You just had to be able to escape that cage. And usually you still see that being the main premise for how the matches are won. It's just kind of boring if the match is won by a simple pin submission when you actually have a cage that you should try to get out of. Mexico actually has it where you can only win by climbing to the top of the cage and going over. Um, that's honestly how I feel it should be. I really don't even like the door thing. I think it should be up, over, and out. So, honestly, Mexico, in my opinion, they're doing it right. Now, TNA, or Total Nonstop Action, had a match known as the Chamber Match, which basically hits two wrestlers, or up to six, I believe they've had before, inside this chamber, which basically is a cage match on all six sides of the ring. And basically, any wrestlers who were not involved would basically surround this chamber. And after about five minutes or so, the wrestlers outside would be able to throw weapons into said chamber. And the match only really ended when one wrestler would knock out his opponent. It's an interesting concept, but I can see how that can get old very quick because, well, we'll get to the hardcore stuff later on. That's where I want to definitely talk about that. Sometimes referred to as the Tower of Doom, the Doomsday Cage match is a three-story cage with the middle cage being split into two rooms, all of that which houses wrestlers. The object of this match is for one team of wrestlers to fight their way from the top of the cage to the bottom, where pinfalls and submissions are able to come into play. In the later years of WCW, it was called a triple-decker cage match, which basically was a reference to a match being used at the end of a film called Ready to Rumble, which, if I remember right, when they did that with the Ready to Rumble, it was to go from the bottom to the top and to get the belt. So it was kind of an inverse of what the Doomsday Cage match was originally intended. Another type of cage match was actually one that I've never seen, and I honestly don't know if I'd ever really want to see because it, it just sounds really wrong in all sorts of forms, but it's an electrified cage match. Basically, they surround the whole ring with an electrified steel cage, and the cage can be used as a weapon, which it always can be, and the only way to win was by pinfall or submission. So, I mean, I can see where this could be interesting to some people, but I don't want to see somebody get fried and barbecued, even if it is a low voltage just to shock and scare the heck out of them, and they have to play it out. No, that's just nuts. Now, one match that you're all probably very familiar with, especially if you just watched this past WrestleMania, is the Hell in a Cell match. But let's go ahead and break this down. First of all, the Hell in a Cell match is with a giant cage that doesn't just go to the ring. It goes beyond the ring to make a narrow opening around the bats or the floor, whatever you want to call it, around the ring. That way you can fight outside the ring as well. 
the reason why it's called a cell is because, well, the door that leads in is padlocked shut, and there is no way to climb out as it is, in cover, is covered by another mesh or um, fencing type style, like the uh, chain link fence. So there is no way to climb over the top. It's also covered by that uh, fencing. It's really kind of a neat match, in my opinion. I've always liked to help in a cell. The, the only way to win, really, is to be by pinfall or submission. Hell in a Cell is a brutal match. It, it usually does revolve in, revolve around somebody end up bleeding. There's usually some type of bloodshed. And there's nine times out of ten, you're almost guaranteed that somebody's going to spill out from the cell one way or the other. I think maybe only one time have I seen that where the cell broke open one way or the other. So it's really interesting. Um, there's no disqualification, so there's definitely wrestlers that will use whatever methods to win. Um, there's weapons underneath the ring, of course. They'll use the cell itself as a weapon. and I mean, they've raked each other against that plenty of times. And it can happen anywhere, pinfall or submission. And anything that's really not nailed to the floor, like I said, can be used as a weapon. And even then... If they do spill outside of the cell like they usually do, they can use stuff outside of the cell, such as the announcer's table, as a weapon, like we saw Shane do this past WrestleMania. It's not really one that most people would consider a cage match, since you have to escape from the cage, but it does fall into the enclosure matches like we are talking about today. One thing I do want to note, though, is this match, the Hell in a Cell, is not any kid's type of match. This thing is really well-structured, and with the anything-goes rule, it is very notorious for being known as a match to shorten careers. It's a match that really does cause some legitimate injuries. If you don't believe me, watch the Undertaker-Mick Foley match. You'll definitely see how legitimate the injuries can be after that. Yikes. Another one of the enclosure matches that I really do like is the Elimination Chamber match. This one's probably actually my favorite of the enclosure matches, even more than Hell in a Cell. It was pretty much where they have a chamber of complete steel. It's a circular steel cage that surrounds the ring entirely, including having like graded floors around the area of the apron so that they can actually walk around the outside of the ring. It's elevated so they don't really have to hop down. It's just right along. They just can walk even level with the apron. Um, there is a pod, if you will, on each corner of the outside of the ring where it keeps a wrestler inside the pod until they get selected after a timer and randomly selected, per se, to come out and join the match. Now, two people will start this match, and the whole thing is, by pinfall or submission... You win until there's only one person left standing. If you win and beat one person, but then you get pinned, you're eliminated. You're no longer valid. Even though you did get somebody pinned, it doesn't matter. You're not the last man to survive. This thing, I like it because unlike your typical fence style with the uh, chain link, it is steel chains that holds this structure up. It is very industrialized it's very extreme looking um 
it's really kind of neat how it all sets up. And I hate the fact that that pay-per-view is pretty much gone, except for the few times they bring it back up in like the WWE Network. The one little extra oomph I want to give to this match is that the Extreme Elimination Chamber took place in 2006 with December to Dismember ECW's show. And each person who was inside a pod had a weapon with them ready to go. Like they say, ECW knows how to make it extreme. Yeah, I know. Terrible pun. But hey, you'll love me for it anyway. Another enclosure match, if you will, is what we call the Inferno match. It's not so much like the cage matches or anything else because technically they could escape the ring and they could be safe, per se. But the whole Infernal match is where the ring is surrounded by what looks like little tubes that are basically having fumes that are being lit and setting a blaze up in the air. It's a t- special type of match where the flames keep the contenders in the ring and they flare up at any time. The only real way to win this match is to set your opponent on fire. The matches usually do spill out to the outside. That way paramedics can quickly assist if the person does start to get burned or anything else. Because like I said, you have to set somebody on fire. The uh, danger of this is high. I mean, if you're not careful, you could really get hurt. Um, Only four matches to this day have been seen with the WWE or North America. And they all involved, of course, the Demon King. Um, the first one, of course, was Kane and Undertaker at 1998 Unforgiven. That was a pretty cool one where uh, Kane was thrown out of the ring and Undertaker had no way of, a mat- uh, of attacking him. So it kind of ended at Undertaker's victory. There is a few variations, like the Ring of Fire matches, which took place in SummerSlam of 2013. Kane fought Bray Wyatt. Um, it was... You know, just another type of situational match with the fire. And I know that, like, WCW tried to attempt something like this with the Great American Bash in 2000 with Sting and Vampiro. So, I mean, it's been around. It's something that has happened. It's very dangerous. And it's always a shock when they do bring it back because, like I said, it's a very risky, very, very risky type of match that I don't recommend probably right up there with the electric steel cage match. I don't recommend it. So let's talk about the Punjabi prison match. The Punjabi prison match was named after the Punjab state that the Great Kali is built from, and it consists of two large bamboo cages. The first being a four-sided, 16-foot tall, while the other is about eight sides and stands at 20 feet tall surrounding the first ring, giving you plenty of room to still move around between the two said um, cages. The really cool part is, well, with the bamboo, that's also cool, but I like this because the inner cage has four foot by four foot doors on each of the sides with a referee standing by to open them at the rest of the request. Each door can be opened only once and is only attempted or allowed, rather, to remain open for 60 seconds. After that, it's padlocked shut. So think about that. You tell them to open the door, you can try to get out from that door, but you only have 60 seconds to do it. Once you fail, it gets locked shut. 
if all four doors get that way, the only way to get out of that first cage is to climb up and over, like I said, one of my favorite ways to do it. And so the bamboo is also fashioned into spikes to make it more look, to look more savage and everything else. And sometimes between the cages are two tables which have like weapons which are like you know medieval or bamboo variations of your standard wrestling weapons. And once the wrestler has escaped the first cage, he has no choice but to climb over and out of the second cage with the first wrestler having both of their feet touch the arena floor outside to be the winner. The big thing here is the second cage has little spokes or spikes. like They look like bamboo needle blow dart ammo that are tied to the tips pointing down towards the center of the whole area. So as you're climbing up, these are like barbed wire almost. And you got to be careful to manipulate those so you don't stab and spoke yourself just like the top of the bamboos the only one i can think of off the top of my head with this that was a good match that had this it was supposed to be the great Kali versus the undertaker if i remember right and of course big show interfered and my guy teddy long issued that instead of being the great Kali, big show had a deal with fighting up against um the dead man it was really kind of cool, if you ask me. The Thunder Cage. This was WCW's thing, basically built all around the whole Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome type thing. It's a large dome structure with steel bars around the ring, and it doesn't have a top. The sides curve in to prevent an escape. Um, Mexico did tweak this concept with the Domo de la Muerte, which is Dome of Death. And it's a similar cage, but allows victory only through escaping a small hole at the top of the center. This variation was also known to be used in total nonstop action, where it was called the Terror Dome, and more recently been known as the Steel Asylum. It is usually used for, um, in, at least down in Mexico, a multi-man luchas de apusetas. I believe I said that right. I'm not sure. But it's basically bet matches where the last man standing in the cage is going to lose their mask or their hair or some type of major stipulation like that. Usually, though, it's mask or hair because that's usually a prize thing. Um, the Thunderdome also is a variation of the Thunder Cage which the area near the top of the cage is electrified, and the only way for the rest of the win the Thunderdome match is to have their opponent's Terminator, which is usually a manager who stands outside the ring, throw in a towel to stop the match. There's also another variation where each pin competitor in the match is handcuffed to the cage, and the last man standing is left to have a key to unlock his teammates and attack the other team, who are still handcuffed. There's been a lot of interesting twists and turns and concepts with these things. I, I can't dispute that. This is why I kind of like these enclosed things, because even though they've been done many times, you do see some variations, and then you see them kind of modified, and their, their possibilities are limitless. You can do so many things with these. Um, the Thunder Bowl, which is kind of like the Battle Bowl, 
It has up to 100 wrestlers able to compete in the match. It's split into two rings with 50 wrestlers each. And the only way to be eliminated is to be thrown over the ropes. No matter where you hit, whether it's the apron, the floor, the barricade, you're, you're gone. You're eliminated. When there's 25 wrestlers left, each ring has only 25. The second stage begins. And this is when all the wrestlers get into one ring and there is no elimination. After a five-minute period, the match turns into a battle royal where elimination is gained by throwing your opponent over the top ropes and onto the floor. When there's five wrestlers left, it goes to stage three. This is then where it turns into a five-way match where pinfall eliminates an opponent. And then when it goes down to two people, the match turns into a last-man-standing match where knockouts are the only legal way to win. The final wrestler who is left is the winner. I love this concept. I would love to see something like this. Granted, finding 100 wrestlers may be a bit of a stretch nowadays, whereas back in the day you could pull them out of thin air, it seems. God, I miss those days. But it's still a great concept. It really could make an interesting main event thing to have a title up for grabs or maybe even number one contendership. I really think that the Thunderbolt needs to come back or... Something like it. Um, the triple cage match. Again, three cages stacked on top of each other, each cage decreasing in size from the bottom up. Um, basically, the two, there's two variations. This is kind of like what we were talking about earlier. The competitors can begin to ring inside the lowest cage and must make their way to the roof for the third cage where an object is suspended. Usually it's the title, with the winner being the first competitor to obtain the object and exit the cage. The other, which is what we talked about, was the Tower of Doom, which had the two teams of five make their way down from the uppermost cage to the bottom, and with victory achieved when all five members of the team escaped down there. The cages were cut off from each other, with the doors controlled from outside by referees, who opened them for two-minute intervals. I wouldn't mind seeing that again either. That seems like it'd be kind of cool. Now, we have the Dixieland match, which is named for TNA president Dixie Carter, who invented the match. It's kind of a hybrid of a steel cage and ladder match. The wrestlers start the match in the ring and close inside a steel cage. And in order to win, they must first climb out of the cage, then go up an entrance ramp where a championship belt is hung from the ceiling, and finally climb a ladder to retrieve the belt. The first match of this type was back with Final Resolution, which was on December 3rd of 2013, where Magnus beat Jeff Hardy. I think that this one's a bit of a stretch. I mean, it it is what it is, but I think it's a bit of a stretch in my opinion. So, I don't know. Another one is going to be the Escape match, and that's spelled X-C- or sorry, X-S-C-A-P-E. I don't know why they have to do stuff like that, but whatever. It was basically done at the Lockdown All-Steel Cage pay-per-view in April. And that's with TNA. This variation basically has four to eight competitors in a two-stage process. The first one is a standard pen or submission elimination contest. The eliminated eliminate wrestlers leaving the cage through the door until there's only two wrestlers left. Last in comparison, face-off, the only way to win is to climb out of the cage all the way to the floor. Eh, again, I think it's kind of 
make it too much of a variation, but again, this is why I like enclosure matches. Lots of variation, but sometimes you kind of like, it seems like they're throwing stuff to see what sticks. Uh, the one that I really do like is the War Games. This is one that we've had a lot of rumors about lately, and it's also really kind of fun to watch. It's basically where two rings are surrounded by an enclosed steel cage with a roof, and two teams, sometimes three, face one another. Now, the main thing about this, the main thing I want to stress, is that with war games, what I've seen, and I, I like it, and I'm going to just use this example, um, say you have two teams of four. Both people pick one representative to go in. They go, on, they go in through opposite sides, of course, of this giant cage, so that one's in ring one, one's in ring two at the beginning. They duke it out for five minutes. During this time, the head referee will flip a coin to see which team gets the advantage. What that means is after five minutes, whatever team won the flip gets to have one of their members come in, and then it becomes a two-on-one match, but only for two minutes. After that two-minute interval, the other team gets to bring in one of their people in, and it keeps going back and forth like that until all men are in. Once all men are inside the ring, it basically comes into a complete brawl until one of the team members gives up. They basically say that they give up to stop the match, whatever. But it's where the true war games comes to. The first whole set of just getting everybody inside the ring is really more of an endurance brawl. But the real war games begins once everybody's in there and you're seeing who can still hang on the toughest through such a tough enduring match there is kind of a similar thing to this from tna called the lethal lockdown which consists of a single ring enclosed by a steel cage and two teams face off with each other the staggered entry is very identical but the weapons are permitted and are even provided in this once everybody's into the enter, entered the ring a roof is lowered onto the top of the cage with various weapons hanging from it there's a victory either by pinfall or submission, and it became kind of a staple of the TNA Lockdown series. With the, um, it's made appearances in other pay-per-views, but that's really where it comes down to. I, I can see where Lethal Lockdown would be interesting, but again, I'm not much into the hardcore or the weapons thing. If I can help it, I rather see people use their true talent. And that's kind of why I like the war games a lot, just like a few of the other matches. I don't get me wrong. I do like it sometimes with the weapons, or else I wouldn't like Hell in a Cell. But I really love to see just the sheer power and the sheer um, almost animosity, I guess is a good word to use for it, the, the primal instincts that come out of these wrestlers when they realize that they are locked inside a cage and have to find a way to escape or to survive. So, that's the beauty of an enclosure match. Well, boys and girls, that wraps it up for this one. And, you know, we always have a lot more matches and match types to go through. So this is going to be a lot of excitement. Don't forget, like I mentioned earlier on, like a little subtle hint in there and everything else, that the great PWA show of the year, the Grand Wrestling Spectacle, is just around the corner. If you're in the central Illinois area you got to check this out. 
I'll be there once again talking to the different talents, talking to the fans. It's going to be a blast. But most importantly, though, guys, have fun. Enjoy wrestling. Don't lose the magic. And if you, like I said, if you ever got a favorite match or something that you definitely want to shout out about, let me know. I would love to put it on here and make this all happen. For now, this is your lovely host, Priest, saying goodbye, and I'll see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at thesleeperhold.com, comment on episodes, read our blog, find information about our quarterly charity, and more. See you next week.